Hi, and we're live. We are. Uh, well, yes. sort of live. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, we're recording. <laughs> that's right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to DMs After Dark uh, and our Meet the DMs series, where uh, we are kind of getting to know each of our dungeon masters slash game masters here at DMs After Dark. And today I have the great privilege of interviewing Christian. Which means that Jess drew the short straw. Oh, no, I'm so excited, Christian, because like, so our first interview was Rainy and Troy, and they they go way back. They know each other, yeah. right? They're like partially semi-related through marriage and things like that. But Christian, you and I really only got to know each other through DMs After Dark. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. And I don't think many people know that like some of us were brand new to kind of interacting with each yeah. other on DMs. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited to get to know more about you. Oh, oh boy. I hope I don't disappoint <laughs> as I usually no. do. Okay. No, I um this is you never disappoint, Christian. You always bring great something to our okay. <laughs> <laughs> the pause there. Yeah, something. All right. So we've what got, are we drinking tonight? I think we need to tell everyone that we're drinking. Yeah, too, that's right. You and I, we're going fancy tonight. I have a tequila a, sunrise. Jess has a, a mojito. Nice refreshing mojito, yep. yep. Oh, Loosen yeah. us up a little bit. That's right. <laughs> That's right. God knows I say crazy enough stuff when I'm sober. Who the hell knows what I'm going to say when I'm drunk? Right? I know. We're both just going to be like saying weird things by the end of this. I'll probably just fall asleep, honestly. <laughs> Is that what you... Okay. I am also very tired drunk. Like, yeah, that's I, basically... I a lot and then yeah. I just like am done and I'm like, all right, I'm going to bed. That's I just like... I, I'm weird enough like sober. I just fall asleep. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Christian is the old one in our group. Thanks. Let's just get that out of the way yes. to start. But I am a very old soul. Like I, <laughs> I am like just internally old. So uh, I, I feel, I feel that just like sleeping. I'm just like I hit a point and I'm like, good night. I've always been that way, though, even when I was young, which is when alcohol was invented, and uh, you know that's when we started. And I was, I was the first sleepy drunk. Yeah. See, that's the thing, Christian. You always date yourself. Like that's why I always end up chiming in because, like, you're the one who dates yourself first. Well, you know, whatever. It's all fun. It's all fun and games. Yeah. So speaking of that, why don't you tell us how old you were when you first started playing your first uh, tabletop RPG? Sure. Um, I'll even tell you kind of how I got interested in them, too. Yeah. So uh, I'm a big comics nerd. Um, and back in the, like, early 90s-ish, when I was been about, you know, 12-ish, uh they had, I really was when I first remember getting um, into and noticing like the advertisements for for Dungeons and Dragons in comic books. Like Conan was a big thing. I, I really like Conan yeah. comics, but they were all in all of them, but Conan especially. And um, that's when I first became aware of them. Uh, what kind of it, advertisements did they have back then? Oh, I'll show you some. They were so cool. Uh, some of them are really cool. Some of them like really sucked. Uh, and now, and some some of them like when I say sucked, I mean they did not age well like at all because mm. it was just like you know. Go rescue yeah. the princess and she'll reward you sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, real mm -hmm. like cringy. But yeah. um, the, the, the one that wrote me in, and I still think it's a great picture, is the, uh, the um, red box. So it was the Dungeons and Dragons red box. A anyone out there can just Google it. It's, it's a Jeff Easley, I think, uh, painting of like this fighter fighting like a red dragon. And mm -hmm. it's just okay. kind of captured my imagination. And I was like, oh, what is that? That's so cool. Uh, and I kind of knew it was some sort of game but it wasn't until eighth grade that i met people that played okay. uh, my friend mark and owen and another kid by the name of chris and then um 
I had to kind of weasel my way in there uh, to play mm-hmm. with them. And that's how I started playing. Yeah. And that was that so the game. A- Go ahead. So they had already been playing for like a little. Yeah, they yeah they they had been already been playing, and then um, I kind of you know glommed in there and uh, inserted myself. And um, I think Do I was you probably remember the, what the first game was. Uh, yeah, it was stupid. I played a, I played so I, I remember playing a dwarf once, and that, but that was like like during study hall and like whatever. And then I remember making a thief. So this is my first character. I've told this story before. I had a thief, and I was playing with my friend Eric, and it was just Tim and I. And um, he didn't even make it across the drawbridge to like get into the dungeon because he got killed by a Hydra like right away, which I okay. still maintain is bad dungeon mastering, but whatever. So my first character like died right away. Oh, um, I mean, life lesson. Life lesson, <laughs> life lesson be careful. D&D. Yeah, and that was yeah. the last time I played a thief or a rogue as they're called now. Uh, till now, actually, I'm playing one in, in a campaign with Sarah when one of, with our home group, I'm playing a rogue. I hadn't played one since then, <laughs> just a bad memory. It was You're just like, a bad just memory, bad squishy. taste. I'm out. Yep, too squishy. <laughs> uh, so the next character I had was a fighter, uh, and that was uh, I actually played him for about ten years, maybe wow. almost. Yeah, maybe eight years. I mean, it seemed like a long time. In the uh, same maybe, let's say let's say eight years. Yeah. Yep. Holy crap! You guys ran a game for like eighth grade eight through uh, college. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. He was okay, only so 11th level when it all was over. Holy. Well, okay. How yeah. often did you guys play? Oh, God, a lot. It, well, it depended. Because um, it was a lot of it was just me and, and you're my friend only Mark. 11th level? I mean, that's uh, great. Yeah. There's, slow no, progression is great. No, it wasn't entirely slow progression. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Oh, okay. Okay. And why I hate undead. But, um, yeah, we played. Uh, we would play as much as we can, really. I mean, Rainy had this story about playing like five nights a week when he had this like kind of do nothing nighttime job. Oh but we didn't play that much. But it was, you know, we would play like you know, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's like our group now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so yeah, and he had you know he had a, quite a character progression. He got married. He had kids. He started out as a nobody and wound up as uh, pretty much the guy in charge of security for a whole city. And, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so let me ask fun. you this: what, 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 like, kind of drew you in in that first game, if you remember, and like kept you coming back for? Eight you know, it, it really was the the. Everybody says like, oh, you could do anything, right? In D anD D, and uh, that's kind of how you try to like rope people in, but. Um, that really was it. It was like just the idea. And I will give Mark credit, who was, you know, my one of my first DMs that he was a guy who would just pretty much be like, all right, what do you want to do? And, you know, he had he had his adventures, but he just rolled with it. And so, you you know, I didn't I wasn't a murder hobo. I, I well, oh, all the time. But, uh, but um, I feel like it's hard your first time not to. Be. Of course, you kind of are, yeah, you know, you know? Uh, you you make stupid decisions. You're trying to slaughter everybody. Right. You do, and you make you just make dumb decisions, but um, yeah, yeah, you know, you can you can just kind of do anything, and that was that was what really what sold it to me because it was just wandering around like doing stuff. That's what we did. Yeah, know? no, I agree. I feel like people don't really understand until they're there and they're playing it, and it just yeah. clicks. Like you can really do anything, and you see how like the, that's when it captures the imagination, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and the character captures your imagination. It's like then I look back and I. Torath the fighter. I don't even think he was that great of a character, really, compared to like characters I play now. But he was some ways like, you know, I was a dorky 12-year-old kid. Yeah. And so he was just kind of like what I wanted to be, you know. 
and, and gotcha. so that was like you know major 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 power fantasy guy nice, but, nice. Uh, and then I eventually evolved into more, more well-rounded characters who make dick jokes <laughs> Well-rounded, yep, that's yeah. the word. <laughs> but the reason, he, I, I just want to say, because I hinted earlier, the reason he was only 11th level was because old-school Dungeons & Dragons, like, first edition, second edition, undead were friggin' nasty. And so, like, you know, a specter or a white or whatever, you would lose, like, two levels if you got hit. Gotcha. Yeah, so. So is that what you were playing for those eight, ten years? Like We played, yeah, Toraf was a basic Dungeons & Dragons character. Yep. Yep. Okay. And then okay. I DM'd when I started DMing, I played I DM second edition. That's when I started. That was like the the cutting edge of D D when I started. Okay. Second Wait, edition. so tell us tell us about that. What what made you like decide to pick up the reins to DM? Because I, you know, you game? just you, I was I think like, you know, um when when it first clicked with me, when games first clicked, you know, you got this feeling of like um if you ever read the book, Stephen King wrote a book on writing. And he says in the book, like with the first short story he wrote when he was a little, little kid, like he gave it to his mom and she read it and she said it was like really good. And she gave him a quarter and that was the first time he ever got paid for a story. But he also, he said something that resonated with me for role-playing games, which was he felt like he had gone into, he was, someone had like led him into this house with all these rooms and there were way too many rooms for you to ever open in your lifetime, but you could like explore any room you wanted. Right. And and you could kind of go anywhere. And I, I, I remember reading that and thinking, like, I feel exactly that same way about games, because I, that was a feeling I had, like, you know, every game to me, you know, Rainey talked in his interview a lot. And I know him really well about like mechanics and how he would like read and break down the mechanics and, and you know, get into that stuff. Yeah. And I'll do that to a degree. But what draws me to a game is an essence of the mechanics. It's, it has to capture my imagination. Uh, but a lot of things capture my imagination, which is why I have so many games uh more than i'll ever play in my lifetime uh so, so what is it about it like that captures your imagination i don't know like it's just setting like, or i am a like daydreamy sort of person who lives in my own world and so it's just um yeah it's just you know the setting uh the characters and what they might do in that setting uh, the artwork a lot of times i'll just be like oh that's a cool cover what's this about and you know then you read and you're like, oh, wow, this is really cool. It's like a whatever, you know. And that, nowadays for me, it's more like what you can take it and do with it. Like how much does it allow you to insert of your own imagination into it? Like I'm a big fan. I talk a lot of about Kevin Crawford who created like Stars Without Number and mm -hmm. Worlds Without Number now where he just gives you tools to be like, go and make up your own stuff. And it's that's like great. framework, right? To just yeah, just a framework to add your own yeah. imagination to. And I love that. I think it's you know, and very important to not lose that. It's a muscle. You have to, you have to exercise it. Uh, and if you don't lose it, I think it keeps you young. I'm hoping it does because I'm old as shit and I'm going to die soon. So. Hey, I mean, you're still playing games. That's, that's right. what matters, right? I'm, I'm more immature than everyone else. I might be older, but I'm immature. I don't know. I think I think some of us have a run for our, your money. Well, then again, mm. you might make the most. No, I don't know actually. I don't think I'd make the most actual big jokes, but I, I might don't make. Think you do the worst ones. <laughs> <laughs> You've got some really good clutch one-liners. Yeah, but yeah. You slip in there for sure. That's right. For sure. So do you do you remember what you did for your first game? To run that you ran, yeah. Oh god, I was so edition. awful. So yeah. <laughs> I, I so I got the second edition books because I wanted to be like the cool kid with the new stuff, uh -huh. and uh, and it wasn't even like really new when I started because it was it was pretty close to third edition happening anyway. But um, I had 
I made my own campaign, right? Because like, you know, I know mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I can make up my own campaign world. Oh God, it was yep. like, it was yep. so awful. It was so awful. And just like, you know, ripped off, like blamely ripped off like Conan comics and just, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you yeah, do. Yeah, it's basically what you do when you start it. It was yeah. just abysmal, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, what happened, a lot of the group, is, as time went on, kind of fell off. So it really wound up being just Mark and myself playing. So we, we play a lot of the games that I played. Oh, just really like just one like one-on-one. One-on-one, yeah. And, really? uh, and we would play a lot of, like, you know, all the NPCs and stuff you would play, uh, which is probably why I've gotten so good at voices over the years, because uh-huh. everyone had to have a different voice and stuff. But... Um, yeah, we and so we what we would do is like he would run for a while, then we would get to like a story break, then I would pick up and run my own world. And he had he had like a half elf. Uh, he made it was it was such a murder hobo. Uh, this was like you know a nightmare character, like an edge lord fighter wizard elf guy. You know, I mean, hey, at yeah. least one on one, they're not stealing the glory from other people. Right, right, but uh, but he was you know everything. It was yeah. fun. It was it was. We had a lot of fun, but I, I learned a lot. I definitely did. But I look back, mm-hmm. like even when I was doing it, I, I remember not really liking DMing that much when I started because it was yeah, a lot yeah. to keep track of. Yeah, it was a lot to keep track of and stuff. And um, you know, it was hard. DMing is hard. For sure. Yeah, For it, it sure. really is. You know, and, and keeping up with the people, what the people do. And, and I remember like certain things would click and I, I would always be surprised at like the characters that people picked up on and loved and the ones that you thought are so cool and people don't like. And, you know, but eventually you learn, like you just throw things out there and you're like, okay, they like this guy. We're going to go with this guy then and we're going to have him do stuff. And, and the biggest thing I learned early on when I started was just building on what had been done. Money. Yeah, what do you, you mean? know, so, so what I mean is like a lot of my first adventures were like, you know, oh, you know, saw one's the wizard comes and does something and you got to stop him or, you know, the orcs come here and whatever, you know, and uh, well, who are the orcs? Where were they? Where were they? Where they were in the mountains. How come I never heard of them before? You know, and so it's like, you know, things things don't make sense if they just pop up out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned, you know, after we played for a while, where characters were probably about third or fourth level, was keeping a really good, like, not detailed notes, but just having a really good idea of, like, what the players had done. Mm-hmm. And just building on that. And just being like, okay, so they cleared out this ruin, you know, that I randomly stuck in. So the goblins weren't in there now. So maybe we'll stick something else in there. And then, you know, that place still remains like a place that's part of the campaign world but now something else has kind of taken it over because it makes sense it would because it's a you know a lair that's you know vacant so uh now something else is there they might have to go back and deal with it or it might cause other trouble or maybe it's something you know maybe something good comes in there and now they have an ally maybe in the area you know like a a good dragon or something but there's something you know their actions had so the players and, and, and the characters actions had an effect on the world and then they also dealt with the consequences of their effect on their world. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think that's one of the, that was the, the first things, things that, that I love. Yeah. yeah. And that really like that living, breathing once thing. that clicked for me, DMing became a lot easier because then it was just like, okay, well, what have they done? Let's build off that. Mm-hmm. And, and you gain the confidence to just kind of fly with things a lot more then because it does, you just, you just kind of react to what players do. So was that your was your first game the longest that you guys had that you had ever played or ran? I played that one for a while. Uh, I didn't. I gave up on my world. Um, Mark ran his like all through. It was we started in eighth grade, and yeah. when he moved away, right, it was like twenty when he moved away. So hmm. whoever long that is, uh, and then we had a couple of games when he came back in the town or whatever. Um, but um, I gave up on that one. 
when the character's like eighth level or so. But I, I kind of also Monty hauled that one. I, I made a mistake there and I gave out way too much treasure and stuff. Uh, mm. That was another mistake I did. Um, mm-hmm. But then I, I found something, sometimes like it takes a good setting to like also uh, like capture your imagination. Yeah. And I, and I, TSR released Al-Qadim, which is like an Arabian fantasy setting. Okay. Right. That's okay. also kind of held up pretty good. Okay. Uh, for for okay. for team now and then, it's part of the Forgotten Realms now. They kind of just bolted it on to the Merged rest of the in. world. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Wolfgang Bauer and some other really good game designers are still out there and really active. Uh, Wolfgang Bauer works out with Cobalt Press, uh, were the people who developed it, and um, they had a lot of good like adventure paths, kind of like really like the precursor of like the Pathfinder adventure paths, you know. And I had one that I really liked, uh, which I cannot remember the name of right now, but it was in the box called Ruined Cities. And it was like oh, the, like uh, it was their version of almost like um, not quite fantasy India, but sort of like a jungle area where all these like ruins and, okay. and stuff like old gods yeah. and, you know, yeah. Old, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff that I love. Yeah. And uh, and it was, you know, the plot was like pretty much boilerplate, like, stop this evil wizard who's coming back, right? Classic, yeah, uh, classic. But, like, for me, it was just like, ooh, I have a whole thing to run on. It was, like, first to, like, 14th level, you know, Wow, and so I mixed, you guys have done pretty much homebrew that Yeah, before that, before like, that, yeah. Version. And I was okay. like, oh, this is great. I'll just run this. And I, you know, uh-huh. I added my own stuff in in between there and I used some other stuff from some of their other uh, books, including this one great one called Cities of Bone where they had, um, this is still one of my favorite adventures because it's, the party is like wandering around. They stumble on this city and it, it was it was a ruined city and two necromancers have taken it over like a married pair of necromancers and like mm-hmm. raised the whole city. So it's like a city of the dead, but okay. they wind up as guests there. Okay. Because of the okay. hospitality rules that they have in this culture where you like, you know, you have to receive a guest and take care of them. So even though these people necromancers Ooh, so are like, like a lawful evil, evil situation. Yeah, so they're okay. evil, okay. but you're their guests. And then what comes out is like the wife is sick of the husband and she wants to get rid of him. And then there's like a whole subplot with like a guy who wanted was supposed to become a lich, but he didn't he kind of screwed it up. But then when they raised when they raised the whole city, he kind of came back as like half a lich. But he's sort of <laughs> smart enough. He's smart enough that he wants like everybody in the city to just like go back and like you know be at peace. And so like this whole plot when you wind up fighting like you know the the evil necromancer at the end, and you know the wife just takes the stuff and leaves, and everybody goes back. And, and they found which I thought was really cool is this is why I like it. They use this sword that's like a cursed sword. It's like a nine mm-hmm. live stealer. And, and it's one of those things where you have to have a choice because it's not a good thing. You know, it's like an evil weapon, uh, mm-hmm. but you have to use it to defeat him. So you're making like a devil's bargain to use it. And so that, I, I put that one in. But that went from first all the way up to I think they were like 15th level. Um, when and we did finished you guys play it. through that the whole thing? Yeah, we, we played through the whole thing. Nice. And, uh, and we had all sorts of great, you know, completely stupid melodramatic stuff. Now I look finding long lost twin brothers and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the mix of the sweet stuff. Good memories. Yeah. Everything else. Yeah. Good memories. Yeah. Yeah. So what made you move away from, not that you ever really moved away from D&D, but what, how did you discover kind of other games outside of? I always just was, you know, I'm not going to actually take that back. I'm not going to say I always was interested in them. Um, For a long time, I was just a and d fanboy. And then... (laughs) um, I like third edition. I didn't get to play third edition as much as I wanted to. I just did some in college. Um, and I just kind of, I didn't have a group 
for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of became more of a hobby, became more of like reading and collecting than it was actually playing. You know, especially oh, once you graduate college. Began. Yeah, that's where the hoarding began. And, you know, <laughs> especially once you like graduate college, and it's hard. And, and I moved out of the area where I grew up. So it was hard to find. It's hard to find people. Yeah, anyway, sure. excuse me, you know, as an adult to be friends an with. Adult. But but uh, even beyond that, to find, you know, niche hobby people mm-hmm. uh, while you're, you know, starting a family, starting a career and all that stuff is kind of hard. Uh, so I became like a hoarder. That's when I became mm-hmm. a hoarder, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu is probably the first game outside of the indie that I became really interested in. Uh, I just thought it was amazing because, um, <coughs> excuse me, I really like the idea that, you know, you play these normal people. Mm, you know, yeah. and it's such like a the complete opposite it's of D&D. such a departure from D&D, you know. But I will say that when, as as a kid, we played other games, though. I was still, oh, yeah. D&D was always my main one, but we played, um, matter of fact, I have a, that's, I have a good DMing memory of, of, of playing, running a different game actually too, but uh, we played Star Wars. Uh, I was the one who found the Star Wars books originally, uh, and so I was the first one that ran it for everyone. And I remember whatever running the adventure uh, was, I don't remember what the adventure was, but they were being attacked by um, an AT-AT walker. And you one, you know, the four-legged, the four-legged one. Oh, right? okay, okay, gotcha. And um, I think it's the four-legged one. Someone will probably tell me I'm wrong, but whatever. <laughs> and and one of the characters was playing a Jedi, of course, because uh, everybody needs to be Luke. And um, <laughs> he was like, "Well, can I just try to like cut its leg off with my lightsaber?" And there's no rules in the book for that or anything. So I'm like, "Whatever, sure, you know." And so I let them just like demolish this thing, right? And uh-huh. you know, I was just like, you know, roll and see what happens. And we went with it, and they they all had like such a great time. And I think that was one of the first times I remember discover that was in between me running my kind of aborted second edition campaign and and Alquadim, and that was when I had discovered like the joy that you can have in DMing, which is really like being a fan of the players and having them mm-hmm. have fun and do cool stuff. Mm-hmm. That was a great moment. I remember. Just made me think of it. Uh, yeah. And then I wound up trading the Star Wars books to my friend Mike because his mom didn't want him to have the Alqu- one of the Alquadine box sets because it had a, a rather scantily clad woman on the cover. Ah. So ah. I made out when the deal I traded in the Star Wars books for that. And uh-huh. uh, that's how I got the Alquadine stuff. Ah. Okay. Yep. Okay. So out of everything you've run so far, like what are your favorite, I guess, systems and games that you've you've run or you found or even read? Maybe not even that you've run. Still Call of Cthulhu. Um, I've written for it now and been published, so I guess I have to shout out Stygian Fox. Um, So, you know, certainly, certainly I like them because they like enough. They think enough of my ideas to publish them. So that's cool. Uh, And it's just a fun game. But um, so I will say that uh, I enjoy the history aspect of that game a lot, too, because I'm a history nerd. So, you know, when it's set in the real world, but just a tweak of like strangeness, you know, that's that's fun for me because then I can be like, oh, we're going to set this in, you know, in the 1920s. Well, what was going on in the 1920s? Oh, that sucks. We're going to leave that part out. But the rest of the 1920s is cool. And, you know, so you can use I like playing in history. It's fun when it's your playground, you know. Yeah, so I remember you doing thing. a lot of research for like the, yeah. the adventures that you've Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and, and I like that stuff. I really like that stuff. 
but also I would say uh, mutants and masterminds. I haven't had a chance to run for you guys yet. I've run I've run that for my son extensively, and it's it's crunchy. It's a crunchy superhero system, but it's fun uh, because it lets you. It really. I'm going to get into game design here, but you have like your rules light systems and you have your crunchy systems, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I've run fate superheroes and I've, and that's really rules light. And it's kind of just like everything you, you can say, like, I want to be Iceman. So just by saying you're Iceman, it's assumed you have all the other Iceman type powers. You can freeze stuff. You can do icy stuff, right? <laughs> uh-huh. uh, yeah. But if you're going to make a character, like if you're going to make that character in Mutants and Masterminds, you really have to go through and define it a lot more. You know, Mm, and and so you can say like, I can freeze, but I can freeze, say I can create up to four tons of ice or I can lift this much or I can run this fast or whatever, you know. And um, I like that because it it became more interesting to me in gameplay. Hmm. You know, like when we ran, when I ran Fate in the superhero game, we ran for Sarah and our friends, you know, it was just kind of a matter of like, well, who's the strongest guy there is or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's all very ill-defined. It was still fun. We had a yeah. great time. Uh, but I, I liked I liked that aspect of it because then you have like tactical, more tactical elements within mm-hmm. that game. You know? I, gotcha. so I really like Mutant Masterminds because it was one of the first superhero games I've ever seen where you can really sit down. If Once you understand it, it has a steep learning curve to learn how to make a character. But once you know that, the game is easy, easy, easy to run. Uh, and you can legitimately, like a lot of games say you can make any sort of character you want, but that's not true. Uh, you can oh, absolutely sure. make any sort of character you want in that game, whatever you want. So I, I really I like, am a fan of that. Yeah. yeah. And I like that idea that you were talking about for limitations, right? Because mm-hmm. like, it's not, it's never any fun when you're playing a long game and you're just killing everything easily. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like you need to have those limitations and obstacles that maybe you can't always face or have to yeah. think through. And, and the amazing thing about that game to get back to it is that they um you can have like you know there are builds out there for batman and 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 superman right and they're like two like batman's a normal dude superman's mm-hmm. practically a god they're on the same team right and, and the game is built in a way that it works you know it still works and they're kind Bat- of equal yeah more or less uh yeah okay. batman's like a power level 12 character superman's probably probably level 16 or so depending on some okay. of the builds i made they're unofficial but uh you know, I mean, yeah, Superman can do a lot of shit, but Batman's smarter. He's got a lot of more resources. He's got a lot more stuff, you know? Uh-huh, yep. Superman just goes and punches things. I'm not I'm really a fan Batman of Superman. Kids. I yeah, love me Batman. Too. Did so you see like, the Batman? Like, yeah. Actually, we'll, we'll talk after. Yeah, we'll talk later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just about to go into that, but no. Yeah. We'll talk later. Right. So the other question I had was, uh, do you remember like a really big or your biggest DM mistake? Yeah, I was thinking about this today. Oh, yeah. Actually, because I heard Rainy okay, answer. Perfect. Mine isn't quite as Rainy had this tragic story where we like killed a character. Oh. Mine was just really like So I had this um scene set up where in within my crappy homebrew world. And um the the king of the land had like died, right? And so the way that they they did this they chose a new king it wasn't through like secession or war or anything they had this like magic stone that people would stand on and the stone would like emit a sound to to say like this is the chosen king right love it but i hadn't thought of what the sound was (laughs) 
And it was just like, ah, oh, that's a detail. I kind of like take care of itself, you know? And then it was like that moment and I couldn't think of the sound and I just made like this stupid beeping noise. And so it became like, like almost like, like the Walmart, like sliding door that's like, ding, like opens, you know? And so like that, what was, was a cool moment or could have been a cool moment just uh-huh. deservedly got made fun of for years and years and years. I mean, afterwards. that's great. That's sometimes yeah. like the best moment, right? It's, yeah. it's iconic at least through. It was just, yeah, that sucked. I wish I nice. thought of a better sound. <laughs> nice. I bet it's right. I bet your players loved it though. Oh yeah, this I still hear about it. So yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. So one of the things that I definitely wanted to get into is that your game actually was the first game for DMs yep. After Dark that That's started right. everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I did you want to talk a little bit about the first game and kind of like how you feel about it evolving to where we are now. Yeah. And I also want to say, kind of tell you a good story about a really good DM. It's probably one of my better DMing experiences too, was the first time I ran that game. And I'll, I'll get into why in a minute, but um, DMs after dark really came about at the January of 2021 when um, really like, you know, listen, we were still kind of like coming out of still sort of semi in COVID kind of coming mm-hmm. out of it, whatever. Um, you know, we've been playing, all of us had known each other sort of through the library and through things, but mm-hmm. not that well. Uh, and I just had uh, a Call of Cthulhu scenario my, my friend had written, actually. Uh, Kitan Proctor wrote um, The Dark Forest. And I was like, hey, you know, I kind of just want to play through, run as much of my stuff as I can. And I had reached out to Amber and I had said, you know, can we get people who are interested and we'll just set this up and we'll run it. And when it's done, it's done, but let's just run it, you know? And I had no plans beyond that whatsoever. And so we ran this thing that was like, it lasted four sessions and and we had a really good time. Uh, That's crazy to me that you just like asked for volunteers and we all happen to be DMs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had played with, I had played with all of you before. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think with the exception of Rainy. I hadn't played with. You I'd played uh, with a couple okay. times at yep. like the one shots at the library. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Amber. Sarah, I was in a game with for a year because that was like my my re-entry to gaming was through the library. Yeah. I didn't have a group before that. Yeah. But I ran it. And the first night I ran it, this is a story I want to, I know you know this story somewhat, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a really horrible day for me. Like one of the most, not the most horrible days of my life, but a horrible, horrible day where I, you know, I had was basically found out I was leaving my job. <laughs> I didn't really know where I was landing. Uh, and I almost was like, oh, maybe I'll cancel. Yeah, you had already like, committed to Yeah, like but I had already run. committed to run for everyone. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, fuck it. We're going to do it anyway. And um, it wound up being a really, we all had a really great time. That's where like the Wilco joke came from, where uh, I don't remember the character's name right now, but not really understanding what Wilco meant and just like just saying Wilco. Uh, and just, you know, I, whatever mental state I was in, I was able to just kind of like really just cut loose and, and run the game and everybody had yeah. a really good time. You did and great. I literally had no idea. I had a fantastic time because for that two hours, two and a half hours, whatever that we played, like I forgot all about it. So it was one of my better DMing experiences was that. So, yeah. Made my troubles go away. Yep. But after that, so that's that's that was the beginning of DMs After Dark. And then after that, I didn't, I was like, all right, great guys, thanks. And I don't remember who bought it up. I don't know if it was Rainy or, because I don't know who ran the second game. It was it Rainy. Was it was Rainy. Blades Rainy in the Dark. Did Blades yeah. in the Dark. Yeah. And he was just like, hey, do you want to try Blades in the Dark? 
And we're like, okay, cool. And then it evolved into this sour. I was like, well, I want to do good society. And so it just became this thing of like, okay, we'll just rotate games. And everybody will yeah, get a chance to play. We all had a great one. time. Yeah, we did. It was, it was, everything just clicked. And, you know, I, I am very grateful that we all found each other to play with because it's a lot of people don't have what we have of like, you know, we have a very agree. good group of people to play with and we're lucky with that. Yeah. And then it was over the summer when I, I found like an internship sort of thing online, a gaming sort of thing to teach you how to like stream or whatever. And I got it somehow, they found me and I got involved and I got hooked up with a guy doing a podcast. And that's when I was like, Hey guys, we should just like do this. Why not? It would be fun. You know, and has been. It's been really fun. Oh, you're the one who pushed on into streaming yep. too. I just, I was just I, like, hey, do you want to try that. this? I think it would yeah. be cool. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Okay. And here we are now, still doing mm-hmm. it. Yep. It's been a year now, over a year now. What are you loving yeah. so far? For, like, what do you feel like you're getting or that you love so far from DMs After Dark? Uh, you know, we've, the thing I love about everyone that we play with is that nobody's really selfish. Mm. And so we don't have, you know, the prima donna players or anything like that. Everybody's mm-hmm. willing to be the butt of a joke or step back and be in the background to allow other people have their moments, which I think is really, really important at a table. You know, everybody's got to get what they want out of the game, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that we always somehow unspokenly arrive at everybody getting what they wanted or needed out of the game. You know, nobody, I don't think everybody ever feels like a loser. I hope not, you know, when we no. play, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I just, I think you look back and I watch the games that we run and I'm like, wow, you know, that's, everybody had their moments, every character had their, their conclusion, everything's worked out well. I mean, some are better than others, obviously, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really think that, you know, that's what's special about us. Yeah, as as I honestly don't know how it happens, but yeah. it, it does. It, and it really does. It just game. all comes together, you know? Yeah. 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 Rainy's really good at that. that. Rainy's very, yeah. very good at that, but... Uh, when he DMs, but other people are too. Other people are very good. Everybody has their strengths. And that's the thing too, is I think I've become much better at running games just because I've learned so much from everybody else. Oh my God. That was going to be one of my questions. What is like one thing, or maybe the best thing that you learned from another DM on DMs after dark so far? I know it's a put you on the spot question. It's a hard question, but I I know the answer. Um, I'm just trying to, trying to phrase it correctly. Um, Everybody does a fit. There are things that everybody does that I admire very much. So I'm going to take that through first. Like I admire Troy very much in that he can, Troy can take, you know, these descriptions of things and just like they're poetic, you know, or they're just beautiful. And you're just like, wow, he gets swept away in that. And you know, sometimes I feel like, oh, it's like a church, you know, church. You know, <laughs> I feel like sometimes I gloss over that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But Troy is really wonderful at that. Rainy is wonderful at just going along with like whatever your stupid idea is and, and feeding into it, you know. And, and he's a great improv DM. Uh, and I, I really admire that. Same thing with you. I, I think, you, you know, you don't give yourself, you don't give yourself enough credit, oh, but you're very good. That, that Christmas one shot was a, you know, chaos and you handled it very well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, freaking Canadian toy running around and a picture of Nicolas Cage. And, I mean, and you did a really good great. job with it. Yeah. Uh, so you, you handled that really well. Um, and Sarah too, Sarah ran good society and Sarah's mm-hmm. very good at just like stepping back. Oh my and goodness, Christian, I asked you to pick one. Having their moment. Pick I'm getting there. I'm getting okay, there. Okay, okay, okay. But the per- the person that absolutely, and I haven't, we haven't had a wrong form game run by her yet, but like Bluebeard's Bride blew me out of the fucking water. 
Like mm. absolutely, like I had like a hard time after that game, you know. And and the oh, thing God, about it too. that really like impressed me about Amber was she really just put like everything out there, like her whole heart and soul was in that. And since then, I've always like you know that's the way to play, that's the way to DM, you know. And and I've done that. I've endeavored to do that in my games. I mean, some you know it's hard to like how do you put your heart and soul into a fucking you know Canadian toy, uh, but, but my more serious characters, I've had to, I've tried to you know endeavor to be as raw, I guess, as the word as I possibly could, and then just run with you know whatever your weirdness is, right? Or whatever your story mm-hmm. is, put that in the game. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I hope that I can do that with Invisible Sun because that's going to be my first long game, actually, that I've run for the group. So I'm trying really hard, you know. I've got some weird ideas. So. Yeah, I'm very excited for yeah. it. Um, so what is, like, a, a dream game or dream scenario that either you want, you would love to run someday on DMs After Dark or just sometime in your so life. So like a, a, a specific Last. game or scenario or like a scenario in which anything. we're playing? Like, like, anything. Okay. Just something that you would like just hope to DM someday. Hope to DM. I don't know if I could run it in DMs after dark, but I would really, really love to run um, Glorantha, like a RuneQuest campaign. Uh, mm-hmm. I've recently okay. become enamored with RuneQuest um, and I've it's really made me love fantasy again. Cause like I never stopped loving D and D, but like you know D and D's D and D. I mean, you know after what I mean? you played it, yeah, you get tired. Like, like you said, you said that too. You get like fatigued yeah, of like that le- that sort of fantasy. And I I got a couple of the RuneQuest books, uh, and that lead led me to buy like the hardcovers and everything. Cause I was just like, wow, this is really cool. Uh, RuneQuest is a game put out by Chaosium, uh, and the world actually, believe it or not, predates D and D. Uh, the actual fantasy world that it takes a place in, uh, okay. but it was written, written by a guy Greg Stafford. Uh, and, cre- and added to, obviously, as years by other authors. But the thing that captured me the most about it was that it's not like, it's not your kitchen sink medieval fantasy with like, you know, the typical stuff you would expect like slapped on. You know, it's it's so different. And because it's so different, it's very vibrant. And he, and he was, he had a, um, he had an advanced degree in I think anthropology or mythology. And he really, he put that to use when he made this world. So like, the world itself is like just a lodgings floated in, in the ocean and the ocean is the element of water and the sun literally like rises and sets, you know, all like the myths that you read. We're like, well, this is yeah. how the world is on the back of a giant turtle. Or whatever. That shit's real in Goantha. Like you don't get sick because you catch a disease. You get sick because a disease spirit got you. And, and you know, so like all that stuff is real. It's not a joke or it's not just like, oh, that's what people think, but it's really this. No, it's real. That's what happens. And, you know, and if you don't do this, no, the sun's not coming up tomorrow. You have to do this ritual. Or it's not going like to come up. That such a crazy, yeah. chaotic and it's world. it's fucking insane. And the world itself is is like the, the myths and, and the, the cultures are very vibrant because of that. And it's also not like these people are, you know, medieval English. These people are the medieval, you know, Russians. You don't, you don't have that feeling. You know, because every culture feels different. And you can look at them and be like, okay, these people are kind of like the Babylonians, I think. And these people are mm. kind of like, you know, whatever. But they're not an exact match or an exact ripoff. They're different. And so it really just, like, you know, dwar- for example, dwarves are basically immortal as long as they follow their religion. Wow. Okay. Yeah, but they don't really a have, like... A lot of like, pressure. 
Yeah, but they don't really, right? But they don't really have they they don't really have their per, like personalities. They're more tied to like the different metals. So they're like iron dwarves and like you know copper dwarves or whatever. Uh, and elves are just basically like trees. Like they're not they're made out of plants. They're just like intelligent plants, okay. and like they're tied to their okay. forests. And if their forests like think of like dryads, right? They're like really tied yeah. to their forests. Yeah, so yeah. if something happens to their forest, like they're just like toast. Uh, so there's like a really like they took like the, the old the old more rote fantasy concepts and also played a lot with them. Dragons will be like 13 miles long. You hope to God one never wakes up. Yeah, it's really cool. And I really just, you know, took fantasy and was just like, boom, like made it big again. And that's the cool thing yeah. about fantasy. It captured my imagination, right? What did I say at the beginning of this? Something has to capture my imagination for me to love it. And it really did that for me again. So I would love to run a RuneQuest campaign. Uh, I don't know if a one shot would do it justice. No, it sounds uh, like there's a lot. Know, to yeah, there's just there. so much. Uh, so I would love to run that one day. Uh, as far as like a shorter game, I don't know. There's so many. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah, like, there's so many you know, out there. Yeah. There's, I mean, that's hopefully what we're doing here. It's just to yeah. find yeah. more. And, and you know, sometimes more. like I pick up a game and I'm like, I don't know about this. And then we run it and it's great. So, you know, yeah. Grand yeah. Club, like I thought it was a great idea when we were in Grand Club and I, I didn't know how it was going to go. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> It you know it was it interesting. Up, it was oh great. god! It was not what the writers intended. I'm sure. <laughs> I feel like that's true of all of the games that we play. I, I, feel I like think that's we true did every pretty much. Game. I think we did a good job with our God is dead. I think we stuck right along the tracks. But good society also is pretty mm-hmm. like, hopefully on par. I hope. I always promise Sarah that I won't derail that. Aw, aw. She gets the inside safe. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So I think I have two more questions, but is there anything else that you feel like? I think you're doing a good job. Continue. No. Okay. Okay. So I guess my second to last question is what is your go-to advice as a DM? Don't be afraid to DM. Like just Mm -hmm. do it. Right. Uh, I, I, you know, we have some players in our home game um, where we played our God is dead and you know, they were like, they're continually, I'm not going to call them out, but you can tell they don't really want to like DM, you know, because they're afraid of like, what will happen if I DM? Oh my God, don't, who cares? Like you'll make mistakes. That's what happened, but it'll be fine. And and I go I back learned. to I, one of the things I said about our God is dead. It's a great game to pick up if you don't, if you want to dip your toe in because it's a GMless game and everybody's going to be contributing. So you get a taste of what it's like to throw those ideas in the pot, you know? Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to try it would be my best advice to anyone. Oh, you might wind up with, you know, thousands of games. So <laughs> a hoarder, a problem, an addiction. Right, right, right. I wind up with <laughs> yep. a game buying addiction. Yeah. But it's better yeah. than other addictions you could have. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, and my last question, just because I love this question off the list that you had sent me for the random ones, is what is your favorite curse word and why? <sighs> the old inside the actor studio. Yeah. <sighs> Motherfucker. Oh, motherfucker. Just motherfucker. It just feels good to say it. You know, it's just because your basic fuck is just like, you know, you could say fuck this, fuck that. It's a verb, <laughs> it's a noun, it's whatever you want. But when you say motherfucker, you know something really happened. Yeah, you're serious. Yep. Yeah, it's intense. All right. Well, thank you, Christian. Thank hopefully, you. Hopefully people got to know you better. I know I got I to know so. you a yeah. little bit better. Yeah. I hope so. I hope. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not a mystery. 
I know. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the more you watch us, the more you'll see a, a lot of our inside characters kind of come out and show through. Oh, you know what I didn't get to ask you mm-hmm. is what kind of characters do you like to play or like love to play? You kind of touched on upon it a little bit of kind of putting your heart and soul into characters. Yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting because if I look back, like. I play a lot of characters who are assholes. I really do. <laughs> I didn't even get to ask you the asshole question. I know you, you didn't. Uh, but, um, that was being nice. I, I didn't. Like, I don't set out to do that. But I think that, uh-huh. you know, characters who challenge the other characters in yeah. the party make for a good story and are yeah, fun. Yeah, there's good conflict. Right. Spicy. There's conflict and it's spicy and it's fun. And, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll tell a funny story from our home game where I play pretty much, I would say, probably the quintessential Christian character because it's Ivar is a dwarf. He's a rogue. Uh, he's a rogue phantom subclass. So that's the one at Atasha's where you get, like, your the ghosts of the dead, like, talk to you and stuff. And with Ivar, the way we've, the way we've, we've made that work is it's, it's his disapproving ancestors who come back and are like, what are you doing, Ivar? Why? We were honorable oh, warriors. You're like a fucking thief. Look at you. What are you oh, doing? And he, no. and he fights with them because Ivar oh. is basically like Joe Pesci from Goodfellas if he was a dwarven thief. And and so we just had this great um, scene in our game where we, we've we been traveling for, through the wilderness for a while and we found like this kind of like secret hideaway place where one of the characters, that's like her home, you know, and, and you have to go through like the mist to get there. It's like magical, right? And so before we go, and she's like, Ivar, you know, this is my home. People respect me here. And, you know, don't steal anything. And he had this big, like, like 30 minute argument with her of like, why'd you say that? Like, you know, you think I'm a thief. No, I don't really. Yes, you think I'm a thief because you said it. If you didn't think I was a thief, you wouldn't have said it because it would have been unspoken. And there's a whole, like, he had this whole meltdown and it was hysterical. But afterwards, we were just kind of joking around. And, and she was like, well, you know, V really didn't think I was going to steal. And I was like, oh, no, he totally would have. <laughs> that was all gaslighting. He actually yep. is an asshole. Arguing he totally argue. would have yep. stole. Yeah, yep. he just—he was just making a big deal. But I don't know. I, those characters are fun to me. You know, um, I those love characters are fun to him. Uh, Remy Remington. It, it was very similar. I think in a lot of regards to uh, the character I played in the other version of of Good Society. We played when I played Captain Wentworth, uh, where they're they're kind of like these guys that came. I didn't they, really find Remington a little bit. I mean, as a person, oh, really? he wasn't. But when you think about what they did to the narrative, he arrived in town. He was he had been out. There were rumors swirling about him. You know, he made mm. a big splash kind of in his in his entry. Um, mm. uh, I don't fair. know. I think when that's I go fair. wholesome, I think I tend to do that. I, I don't do that intentionally. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> now, my other character in a home game in my druid is the exact opposite of any Christian character. He's just like this really quiet. Like he's like the consciousness, the conscious of the party, and he's very uh, quiet. He's just like this aw. super quiet, like nerd guy oh i can't imagine yeah you playing that he doesn't talk much he just you know and when he does he just he basically like makes fun of the tieflings in the party because they they not because they deserve it trust me they cause a lot of problems yeah oh gotcha gotcha all right super last actual final question sure what is your most epic favorite dm moment that you've ever had dm moment all right um shit I'm going to call Sarah out, okay? So I was running a Call of Cthulhu campaign for Sarah and her friends. This is our home group. And it was a Hudson and Rand game, which is basically like Sherlock Holmes, but you're 
dealing with Cthulhu mysteries in London in the 1890s. It is like my jam, like Victorian London I love. Gotcha. So uh, we were, I was running one of the best experiences I've ever had running like a written uh, scenario. It was this one. It was um, The Curse. Oh, God, I can't think of it right now. It was an excellent one. It's, it's out of a book called um, Sacraments of Evil. Uh, mm. Masterwork of Nicol- the Masterwork of Nicholas Forby. That's the name of it. It's, it's a fantastic, fantastic scenario uh, about this like family and they're cursed because there's a statue and the long story short, like dad, granddad was a sculptor and he had, he had, okay. he had this other painter friend that would come and hang around with him on, but cause he was a sculptor, he was working with lead and he got sick. Okay. Okay. Uh, he got like okay. severe lead poisoning yeah. and the painter friend started having an affair with his wife oh, and he found okay. out about that and he okay. cast, he cast the painter in a statue <laughs> Like killed him, cast him in a okay. statue, and like put him on the front lawn, right? And the Ooh, statue the was drama. called yeah. Okay. The statue was called Icarus Fallen. It was like Icarus on the ground, like on the front lawn, right? And wow. uh, and oh, so the family curse after that was that every you know thirty years or whatever there'd be like a really hot summer because that was like the time frame where the statue was cursed, and the kids who weren't really his they would start having headaches and go crazy, and the statue would come back to life and kill him. And so, you know, they go, they go out to the countryside and, and, you know, it was right outside of London and they're standing there and they're solving the mystery. And they, they, I had this great, great scene to finish off a a session where they were like, like looking at the statue and they had sort of had like all the clues, but they weren't quite there yet, but they were going to get there next session. So I just had like the statues like eye open and it started coming to life and that's where we cut and they were just like, shit. And so that was a great cliffhanger, but the better DM moment was that this is why I was really proud of them. We come back and we play and all week I'm like, these people are going to get killed because this is called a Cthulhu. They don't have, they came out to this uh, as guests. So they don't have, they don't have weapons, you know, mm. uh, they didn't bring their shotguns or anything like that. And this is like a living bronze statue. that's just going to like tear this house apart uh, to try to kill, you know, the, the owner. And, them, yeah. and yeah. And I'm like, what are they going to do? And Sarah talks to the statue, just talks to it. You know, I know you're sad, but you know, and this this is what Sarah does in games anyway. Yeah, this is what right? yeah, this yeah. So and Sarah. and I'm like, well, let me look at the stats. And it was intelligent enough to understand. And I'm like, well, shit, that's a great idea. And so they solved the mystery of the statue. They convinced it to go and sit in the ice house where the bronze would like freeze enough for it to crack and his skeleton would come out. They could like chip him out. And so he got his rest, and that's how they broke the family curse. And it was just a great great ending because like you know the, the scenario assumes like they're gonna have to fight the statue or like get the guy to safety or whatever and uh oh they, she came up with like this original solution and it was just it was awesome it was everybody had a great time i was overjoyed because i thought they were all gonna get killed and it was just it was really awesome that's my best one yeah i feel like that's one of the golden things about being a dm is being able to set other people up for just mm-hmm. these really cool moments and ideas that's awesome yep that was like still we talk about that a lot that game was really fun yeah all right great i mean now i don't know how to end these things but do you know how the other ones ended uh Uh, no thanks for watching you guys thanks for learning more Yes, this is Christian, one of our many GMs for DMs After Dark, and he is going to be running our uh, next long-form game for Invisible Sun, so we are very excited for that. Invisible Sun is uh, a weird 
fantastical game. Yeah, yeah. weird surreal fantasy, I guess is yeah. what you would call it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. weird. All right. So, so other yeah, than that? so um, like us and follow us at all the places. And this will be out on Monday. And for the next succeeding six weeks, we'll have one hopefully every Monday morning uh, as long yeah. as schedule allows. I'll be interviewing Sarah. Uh, I know Amber will be interviewing you. So that's yeah. interesting because you guys know each other forever. Um, yep, yep. And it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for watching, guys. Have a good night. Thank you, guys.